Again, my name is Juno, and I'm glad to be uh, sharing with you this morning. And I'm sure Alan is really glad that I'm sharing this morning. <laughs> so he doesn't have to. Not that he doesn't like to. He loves to, but uh, after our wonderful Christmas Eve services, he gets a breather. Traditionally, the day after our, our Easter, not Easter, uh, I think he needs some more sleep here. Uh, <laughs> the day after Christmas Eve, the Sunday after, Alan traditionally talks about his top 10 mistakes. I don't know if you've been here and you've heard that. So now I have the privilege of telling you Alan's top 10. No. <laughs> well, I'm not just kissing up to my boss, but. I'm not sure he's made 10 mistakes this past year. <laughs> and also for the... Well, <laughs> that was Hillary, our previous student intern. <laughs> if you have an application, see David Shrine, and we'll move you in there on uh, Wednesday or Thursday of this week because we're closed the other days. We do know one of the successes of Allen's, one of the good things, is the fact that he caught that 11-foot, what is that, 485-pound marlin. And I am sure you are all glad that that's the last time you're going to hear that story this year. And again, for those of you who are married or have a significant other, I really don't advise you to take up that tradition of pointing out your spouse's top 10 mistakes uh, for, uh, for, the, for the past year. So just enjoy each other uh, this week. But it is interesting. This is like a, a week of transition. It's, it reminds me of, of funerals. It reminds me of weddings, which I officiate a lot of, of both of those events. And then it's a time that people, again, uh, reflect and they look back, and they evaluate. Uh, we, again, we look back at, at what's occurred, we assess our current reality, and we all do a little dreaming on those days. You know, when you say, I did a funeral a couple weeks ago, you say goodbye to a loved, loved one, it's like, you know, maybe we should have, maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I should do this. And so uh, I think the week between Christmas and New Year's just naturally lends us to to, to one of those places of, okay, uh, what happened last year and what are we going to do, to do this coming year? In fact, Alan talked about this uh, on Christmas Eve. Talked about the whole shebang uh, and talked about how next year we're going to move into the whole shebang too. And casting a little vision for us and how we're going to go into uh, diving into the characters of God's grand story and how that could, could apply for, for each of us here today. But in Proverbs, we read that where there is no vision, the people perish. And at times, you know, I, you know, these New Year's resolutions things, it's just like, oh, please. You know, you're going to lose weight, you're going to save money, and many of you, pardon? Stop smoking. Okay, or maybe read your Bible more. You're, those of us who, who are believers will probably throw in something spiritual, like pray more, read more. Uh, Stephen Covey talks about it, if those of you have been through any of those things, about having a, uh, a mission statement for your life. And I've been through several of those when I worked in the uh, corporate world, and I still don't have one of those mission statements. So 
my company spent a lot of money uh, on that. But, uh, <laughs> but again, I do think we do need to, to have a focus and a little bit of a direction. So I'm going to play the pastor card today, and I'm going to suggest that in 2011, that it is a life of thankfulness. We sang about that, and we said, boy, folks, you sang that hymn of the faith beautifully, uh, that we really do uh, need to be a people with a life of thankfulness. And I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about uh, that from Paul. Paul, he wrote, mo again, one of my favorite writers, he wrote uh, most of the books in the New Testament, lived most of his life far from God. God touched him, transformed his life. And here we have a guy that probably wouldn't make it on, on a board of our church, wouldn't be on a board of servant leaders, probably wouldn't even be taking offering, probably wouldn't trust the guy. Uh, but yet God changed his life. And he writes these words, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, and some versions will say that, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, as I dive into this subject of trying to be a little bit more thankful this coming year, I want to be careful not to, to step over that line where, oh, let's be thankful, let's have a, a grateful heart so that we can get more, so that we'll line up with the cosmic universe and somehow my, my thankfulness, my gratefulness produces uh, this thing I'm envisioning, a sports car, uh, you know, less weight, you know, whatever, your, you know, bigger savings account. Uh, this is not the idea of having a grateful spirit. It's really to be able to build a foundation and reminder of who God is in the universe and in our life. And there's research on this. Uh, one researcher says this. Uh, he did a study. The one particular study that we did was we had students count blessings, which is essentially focusing on the things they were thankful for or grateful for. We had them journal that daily for two weeks. We followed them up three weeks later to see the benefits, and we found that the students who counted blessings reported feeling more optimistic, more satisfied with their lives, more school satisfaction, and actually the trend for being more satisfy satisfied with school not only occurred immediately after the experiment, but actually lasted up to three weeks beyond the experiment. It's beyond feeling good and beyond happiness. We found that grateful kids tend to report less physical complaints, but also in the adult literature, in the adult, adult research, they found that grateful people who counted blessings were more likely to exercise, more likely to be, uh, report better sleep, less likely to report uh, physical complaints. There's even some research done that says that you're, uh, they have a sense of appreciation that your, your heart rhythms are more coherent and more smooth, which then says you're a healthier person. And I think most of us know that, that being thankful is more positive and that being thankful is, is a good thing just physically for us. And I mean... Some of you probably know people who are not thankful. They're grumpy, they're grouchy. You can fill in the blank, anything else you want to describe that person. 
they're just not a happy person. You know, they drain you. And some of you probably screen your calls, don't respond to some emails, because you probably get some from some people who all they do is complain, complain, complain. And so again, I think it's important for us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that we make our requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That is the foundation that we need to build on. I also believe that, that again, we want to be thankful. We want to have a, gar- a heart of gratefulness. But in our culture, that's, I think, easier said than done. Because basically, we've been blessed with so much. And so it is hard for us to remember to be grateful at times. I mean, we've just finished the, the retail season uh, that makes or breaks many companies. Uh, we've, we've just uh, now probably have to detox our bodies from more is better. You know, I was ready to upgrade my, my phone to, to replace my droid with the newer droid. But I resisted for now. Because uh, I hear February 16th, the iPhone is coming out, coming out for Verizon. They should give me a money for that advertisement. Uh, but also, some I don't know enough about 3G, 4G, but it's just like, I'm not going to get it right now, even though I want it right now, because I want it, I want the better one when it comes out later. So I'll just tuck away my little Christmas cash and wait a few more months. But, you know, we just, we're always thinking, you know, uh, more, more is better. But yet I know that there are many of you here who are going against that, uh, and it's not intentionally. You know, obviously, with the market crash, uh, our, our economic situation, many of you have, have lost jobs, reduced hours, had take pay cuts. Uh, you've lost your homes. If you haven't lost your home, your equity is just tanked, and you're upside down in that. Uh, and so I know for, for many of you, uh, because of what's happening, you've had to go countercultural and realize that, you know what, more isn't better. Uh, in fact, really, less is better. And it's really forced us as a country to go back to some of the basics. And again, uh, you just keep hearing that over and over. And I must say, I think, you know, uh, not that God has caused the economic downfall, even though some may say that, but I'm not saying that. Uh, but I think there are some things we can learn from that. Uh, we all goes, it all goes back to the basics, and I'm going to say the basics is our, our relationships. Uh, and the most important relationship is obviously that one with the Christ child, for which we just celebrated. And not just us as a church, but obviously churches around the world celebrated the fact uh, that Christ Took, loved us enough uh, to come to earth, God with us, Emmanuel, to walk with us so that we would be in relationship for all of eternity. So again, I think it, it is just key for us to be intentional to try to live a life of, of, of thankfulness because at times I'm, it's just easier said than done. I do think at times people take another verse from Paul uh, when, he, when he says this, Uh, For we know God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. 
I think some folks will say that everything is good. And it doesn't say that. It says God causes, uh, again, for we know that God causes all things to work together. So while it may not be a good thing, God can take a, a very bad thing and make it work together for good. I mean, I've had two conversations in two weeks with people who uh, just were just saying, uh, well, things happen for a reason. Well, yeah, some reasons. Some people are selfish. Some people are rude. Some people are evil. And they make choices that affect your and my life. And while God didn't cause that to happen, God can take those, those painful experiences and, and make them good. And in that context, I think we can uh, be, be people with a grateful and a thankful heart. And again, it really is probably like our prayer life, probably like our, you know, we really want to read the Bible more. We do want to do some good things, but it's, you know, it's just easier said than done. We're people of habit, and we're just not in the habit at times of being thankful. And so throughout the rest of our, our morning together, I'm going to ask a few people to come up who uh, maybe some good things haven't happened to them, but in the midst of it, they've been able to be thankful. Uh, thankful in the midst of their pain, of their confusion, of some of the chaos in their own life. And so at first, I'm going to ask Phil. Phil, why don't you come up here? Phil's new to Mountain Park uh, last few months. turned around and got to see everybody so I got that over with <clears throat> to start off real quick though I thought something that Juno said already was in this time to be thankful not so we can get more and I don't know about everyone here but I've already been given enough I really have you know and, and we're gonna get into that here in a little bit but I just thought that was important to say hopefully I can get through this I think I can <laughs> but it needs to start off um, me waking up pretty much on a Monday afternoon with cops knocking on my door, telling me I have 15 minutes to pack and leave. This started about four years earlier. Doesn't really matter why or how. What matters is that I take ownership of the fact that I started using prescription drugs. And within six months of me starting, I was a full-blown addict. Literally could not function, could not wake up in the morning without getting something to ease my body or else I would get sick, very sick. The best way to do that for me at the time, and I'm doing this just for the description of it, is to smoke a pill. I didn't know if most of you knew you could do that, but, but it's very possible, trust me. Um, a little bit into that, we knew I needed some help. And at the time, the best option was to go see doctors. And at times that can be the best option, uh, but their solution was to give the pill addict three other pills, all of which were addictive also. Um, so that's just a little caution that I'll throw out there for some of you. Um, so after that, it, we pretty much come back to me being gone for a week for my family. After that, I'm allowed to go back home. My family's already gone. Uh, and that's pretty much when the seriousness and the gravity of the situation sank in for me. It's pretty bad. <laughs> to say the least. Um, I started off by trying to contact several rehab facilities, government agencies, religious institutions, pretty much anyone that would listen 
Some of them didn't, some of them did, and when they did, they pretty much gave me news I didn't want to hear. I was either too screwed up, not screwed up enough, or I didn't have enough money or a co-signer, because trust me, I burned every single bridge that I had. Um, so my only option at that time was to go to a sober living house with about mm, six other guys and maybe a 2,000 square foot home, all of which are recovering addicts or alcoholics. Uh, not the best living situation, I can guarantee you that. Lots of personalities. So, but I can tell you, eventually I found a church after trying out several. Uh, I'm in Washington at the time, so let's keep that in mind also. Um, I could barely walk into a church without crying. And that was because I was ashamed of what, what had happened, what I've done, of myself, everything. Um, but slowly, God began to work on me and my faith, and it was broken. I can promise you that. Um, so one day, going, I used to ride the bus to church, riding back from the bus. Um, there's a good song. It's by Carrie Underwood. It's called Jesus Take the Wheel. Some of you probably heard of it. Some of you may not have. Um, there's, a, there's a couple verses in there. I'm picking out one. I'll tell you real quick. It says, I'm letting go, so give me one more chance, or ten, <laughs> to save me from this road I'm on. Jesus, take the wheel. Now, I've let go of my wheel, but there's one important part of that that I think sticks out, is that through going to church and God working on me, he gave me just enough faith to keep my foot on the pedal, and I think that's important. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't matter. I knew that God and God alone knew where I was going. It didn't matter what I wanted, but that tiny amount of faith that he started allowed me to get where I am now. And I was able to trust in that. And it was just enough. Trust me, it wasn't a lot. So, but today, I can tell you, I'm here with my family. We're doing great. We gave birth to our second daughter. She has a disability. But we rejoiced in that. The speculation of the unknown was way worse than it ended up being, you know. And now I have to tell you why I'm up here and how I can be up here without completely breaking down in shame and, and embarrassment. My tears are tears of joy. I guarantee you that much. Before they would have been of shame and, and embarrassment. And it is because I'm free, plain and simple. The burden of drugs, living up to other people's expectations, and social competition are no longer my burdens to bear. I've been a believer for years, and this is the first time I've been, act, been able to actually experience that. So to wrap it up, in my storm, I'm most thankful, still am and always will be, for that little mustard seed of faith that God planted. He didn't give up on me when he should have. The other people didn't when they should have. I'm thankful to be here at a church where I'm not judged but applauded for my past and encouraged to move forward through the healing process. I'm grateful for the freedom from bondage into prison that I was trapped in, and I'm thankful for the forgiveness that comes with that. And that's it.
Thanks again, Phil, for, for your vulnerability, for your willingness to share it, and, uh, and just to be here with us. Uh, it's great. And although I cannot have conversations with each and every one of you, I suspect, again, that we would all say we need to be grateful, a little bit more grateful this coming year. Most of us really would rather look at a glass and call it half full than half empty. But again, we forget, and we slip into some old destructive patterns of thinking and processing what's going on in our life. In addition to a few other people coming up, I'm also going to share with you some pretty practical ways that I have found uh, to help us be thankful depending if you're a right brain, left brain, thinker, feeler, however God has wired you, you know, some of these you're going to resonate with and think, that, hey, that makes sense. And others of them you're going to go, no way. Uh, I'm okay with that. You know, uh, think through this and say, okay, Lord, what can I pull from this to help me take a step forward this coming year? And, and one of them is even in the research that I shared, that one story, I talked about journaling. We talk about that a lot here. Uh, and the journal is really for you. It isn't something that you're going to, to put on Facebook, uh, uh, to, to, to post for everybody to see. You're not writing to, to write a book. You're journaling uh, to communicate with God. And so for some of you who don't like to write and who resist that part, uh, again, uh, just write out your prayers. Just start with that. And I know some of you are using the shebang notebooks. They've become your, your really your personal journal. In fact, uh, so much that when we do a break from a section, people keep saying, I need some notes. You know, give me some paper so I can keep writing in my uh, shebang notebook. And so we've now produced those. So when there's breaks, in fact, some of you got them today, you know, you can just write. Think through some thoughts. You know, what... what uh, What's something that you agree with, maybe disagree with, something that you need to wrestle with? I'm going to say just do it. I think you need to verbalize, literally say, say this, and talk out loud. <clears throat> uh, you may want to do this in the morning when nobody's sleeping. Uh, I mean, whenever, when everybody's sleeping. Uh, Bonnie, my wife, would, she would pray in the shower, but she didn't tell me that for a while. So I would be hearing like Jesus' name being said and my name being said and I'm going, what did I do now? <laughs> it's only 7.30 in the morning. How can I have messed up so quickly? Uh, but then I found out that she used her shower time to pray and she would, she would verbally say her prayers out loud. Uh, so that also helps if you talk with somebody in your D group, uh, in a serving team, some place where you're connected with other people, talk. Actually say it. That's why when we put together these, uh, these D-group experiences, 
we really tried to be intentional by giving you some exercises to get people to actually talk because you hear yourself saying some things, and that's good. So I'm going to ask uh, Don. Don's been around here for a while. Come on up, Don. And we're going to hear Don talk to us. Morning. Um, I think I'm the old timer here because everybody else looks so much younger. Um, <laughs> Thank you. No, no. <laughs> I've been in Mount, we've been in Mountain Park since 1994, I believe, and we've gone through quite a lot since then. Um, at the time, we were very involved in the, we still are very involved in the church. We were um, in children's ministry. We taught through one through sixth grade and um, had a great time at it. Um, at that time, we, are, we had our life all planned out. Everything was gonna be perfect. I had a great job. My wife, Elizabeth, had a great job. We, we knew what we were gonna do. God had, we thought we, that God had everything worked out. And he did, but we didn't. So, and, but in 1998, I noticed while I was writing a little flicker in my pinky, it started twitching. And then over the last four years following that, I figured I went to different doctors to try to understand what was going on. And in 2002, March of 2002, um, I finally found my answer. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And we were absolutely devastated with that. Um, it pretty much changed our lives completely. I was working at a very high stress job and it would just send me over the edge. It would just, I could not function. Literally not do the job. I could not type without shaking and hitting three keys at the same time. So. And that was pretty much the end of my career. I had to quit. I had to win on disability from then, from 2002 until I'm still in disability right now. And I'm loving it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it's given me the opportunity to really expand my horizons and all the things I've learned from then on is, I mean, I've learned so many different things rather than the corporate world and all the structure and all the garbage that, that comes with that that I was used to all the time. Well, in, since then, um, about, for about four years, I was taking medications to, make, to keep the symptoms down and the medications stopped working. In fact, they made the symptoms worse. And there's only really one medication you can take, so I didn't have much of a choice. So. And so last year, we decided to go a little deeper, literally, and have um, sur surgery called deep brain stimulation, which is kind of scary if you think about it. They put leads in your head, deep down in your brain, and then connect a controller, transmitter, whatever, your chest and have wires put down and 
they switch it on and you're shaking stops, which is absolutely incredible. And it doesn't cause, it doesn't help all the symptoms. I can, my speaking is still not very good, as you may tell. Um, and other symptoms are still there, but I can function. I had one surgery that took basically a year to recover with, to come to a point where that was not working very well. Basically, I could not walk at all. And I had a second surgery this year, and it's taken care of almost everything. I can walk, I can do pretty much anything I need to. And Throughout all of this, it's just been absolutely incredible. I've had, God has blessed me with so many friends and family, with, I mean, I have so many people support all of, just the support I get is amazing. I have like a neighbor who come over randomly just mow my lawn just because he knew I had trouble. I had my small group that I've been with for six, like six, 14 years now. Um, come over and they decorated their house for us last year when I couldn't walk. And I'm so thankful for that. And of course, the, my wife Elizabeth, thankful for her most. She's a, she's the strength of the family. She's like a rock. And um, <laughs> she's, she, she knows it all. <laughs> I give her credit for my ability so but um, if you see me in the, uh, in the lobby and you see my my face my facial features they don't change very much because that's part of the disease and but and I may not be smiling but inside I am big time so thank you Yeah, Elizabeth isn't so excited about his uh, retirement, but uh, <laughs> again, thank you, folks. And again, boy, to be with your, your small group for 16 years, woo, that deserves a medal. Uh, <laughs> another way to, to remember to be thankful is to create a place, uh, create a place where you can slow down and to know that he is God. A place where you can be still. A place where you can sit. Carve out time to read your Bible. Carve out time to read a good book. Carve out time uh, to listen to some music. I know many of you, if you've heard me speak, I think I talk, I love to garden. And so for me, that place is outside uh, in, in my backyard where it's just like you can just go out there and go, you know, and uh, it's just, just a place to know where I can, I can meet God anywhere, you know. But to know that I'm intentional, to know that this is going to be my place, my opportunity to focus in on God. Uh, Rachel, where you at, Rachel? You, 
There you are. Rachel, why don't you come up? Rachel's in our part of our student union. And she's going to talk about how, how some of her time with God affected her journey. So earlier this year, Beth asked Student Union, how will you prepare for what God is about to bring into your life? You could choose from prayer, reading your Bible, missionary, and a few others. <clears throat> I chose to read my Bible, and I've been committed. But while I was reading some things I just didn't understand, I would wonder, does God really mean that, or why would Jesus do this? I did not fully understand, and, I, and to be honest, I began to doubt things. I stumbled upon a mountain of questions, and it was blocking my path to our Savior. So in order for me to get past this mountain, I had to dig into it and know every answer to every one of my questions. Going around it was not good enough for me. I had already tried that, and it got me nowhere. So to start my journey, I sought out my best friend, and I realized she was in a similar situation as me. So then I now had a companion on my voyage. And so I bombarded every adult I knew with my questions. <laughs> my mom, Beth, my D group leader, Hillary, and more. I did get some questions answered, but in the process more came about, like an avalanche destroying all my hard work I had done digging. Again and again this would happen to me and I got so frustrated not knowing what to do or who to turn to next. And through this problem I I learned that every person I asked had their own answer, their own belief, and their own opinion. And I realized I had to find out through research, reading my Bible, and just purely listening to God, that I would find my own answer, my own opinion, and my own belief. You'd have to realize what all of this means to you and not just listen to what someone simply tells you to believe. From being on this passage, I am grateful that God gives us a choice not just to listen to what people tell us to do or to believe. I'm thankful that God lets me and even wants me to ask questions because for me, through my personal journey, I've become closer to God and more understanding of God's word. I'm still on my journey, but through God, I know I'm on the right path. I'm thankful that God is with me through my doubts and that in the midst of confusion, doubts, and questions, God is still with me on my side. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you so much. Way to go, Rachel. Again, we're a safe place to visit our Sanawats. The first one is to ask questions. And obviously, you're embracing that. That makes me wonder about my high school D group I lead. They just want to know what we're eating. So uh, <laughs> maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. Uh, I'll have to talk with them next year. <laughs> OK, uh, a couple other things is to Objects. You may want to find some objects. When I've baptized and dedicated uh, some folks and some babies, they've, uh, they've put rocks in their garden. Now, you can go online. You can order rocks and with your kid's name and spend all that kind of money. But, like, here, here's even one that I have. Uh, you know, take a uh, permanent marker on a smooth rock, and it's just a reminder. This one says John 3.16. Uh, and I could have wrote it because John is spelled wrong, and if you know me, you know, there was no spell check when, when a sweet young lady gave this to me when she was probably about four. But anyway, it's just a reminder of our God's love for us. So, uh, so again, because in the gardens, you may just need some objects 
uh, in your home, find something. I'm not telling you what it is, but something that will help you to be thankful. Naturally, God gives us seasons. Now, when we're in Michigan, we notice those seasons a little bit more than we're here in Arizona. But embrace the change that God naturally gives us each and every year and maybe make those pivotal points for you to pause and think. Uh, I know if, uh, uh, it's just uh, a very natural way to be thankful. Write a card, send an email, just plain do it. A couple of weeks ago, I received this mail, uh, email from somebody. Uh, let me share this with you. I have been struggling for a while. I have been tangled up in a messy web of anxiety, self-doubt, and complicated family dynamics. I decided to attend your Christmas yoga. I felt drawn to come to your event even though I don't attend your church. Your coming home theme was perfect for where I am currently at in my faith journey. As I drove to your church, I had prayed that I would be able to relax and spend some much needed time, much needed uninterrupted time with God. Throughout the evening, I had experienced my heart opening wider to a deeper and, and in a deeper and a very profound way. The tension that I'm so accustomed to began to melt away as I went through the yoga poses. By the end of the evening, my heart, soul, and mind were unified together as I experienced God's love, grace, and forgiveness. This has been an, awesome, this has been an experience which I truly cannot find deep enough words to explain what my Savior did for me this night. God gave me a very special gift through this event. I came home to Jesus. He affirmed me with the next steps I need to take on my journey with him. I am thankful for your yoga ministry and grateful for those who follow God's prompting to use their gifts to be a blessing to others. And again, folks, I think there are some things we just take for granted here at Mount Park. Our, our, our people... Some of, the, some of the regular ministries that have been here now for, for a while. Here is somebody who is a believer but yet felt the nudge to come here and God again used that because somebody, step, not somebody, Elena and her whole team of people uh, faithfully uh, uh, minister to hundreds of you each and every week. Another simple thing to do is to uh, take photos, not just the digital ones, but uh, the real ones that you actually can print off uh, those are great reminders uh, of what God has done. And create a, uh, a treasure chest. It can be a shoebox. It can be, uh, not to be sexist here, but I will. For the ladies, it can be an old purse. Uh, for the guys, if you have a purse, I guess you can do that. Uh, <laughs> call it a briefcase. Uh, but anyway, uh, create a place. Uh, where you can put things that remind you of God's faithfulness. And when all else fails, use files. Paper, the old-fashioned thing. Just keep a file of what God has done some things. And for me, Christmas is a huge reminder when I think of seasons. But I didn't realize that until I was in my mid-20s. I've been a believer since, I don't know, 10, 11. Uh, but in my mid-20s, my mom passed away. And so... And so that changed everything, uh, especially Christmas. You know, I was single, 
and my mom wasn't there to spoil me, and things were different. And while the, the Christmas presents greatly diminished, almost nil, okay, but I'm over that, trust me. Uh, <laughs> the true meaning of Christmas really grew deeper. I realized that celebrating the incredible love that God had for us didn't stop when my mom died. Remembering the fact that God took the form of a man to, to walk among us so that we would believe, well, believe in Jesus, not Santa. And that, uh, for all, and that for, to be with him for all of eternity tells me that Christmas just isn't for kids, even though I love kids. And that there's more about Christmas than just presents, even though I like giving and receiving presents. And Christmas is more than just decorating, even though I enjoy, the de I enjoy decorating. And some would probably say we've been to my home, and that's a little understatement there, Juno. What I'm saying is that uh, through that experience, I realize on a deeper level what this little stone says, that for God so loved the world. And that was almost 30 years ago. And for some of you who know my story, you probably know where this is leading So today, you know, Mackenzie, my 17-year-old daughter, and I just about to wrap up our second Christmas without mom. And so I've asked Mackenzie, you don't want to see me cry all the time. So I've asked Mackenzie to come up, and uh, she's going to share a few things. So why don't you come up, sweetie? Again, she's not being forced to do this because she's the <laughs> pastor's dad. Uh, uh, but she said, why don't you just ask me some questions instead of me just talk? So that's what we're going to do. And so, uh, so Mackenzie, bring us up to speed quickly, if you don't mind, on, on the story here. Okay. Um, well, I'm your daughter. <laughs> um, when I was <clears throat> about four, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And at the time, I was really little, and I didn't really understand, like, what cancer was even. I just knew, like, mom was going to the doctor a lot. <laughs> so I didn't really understand any of that. But um, as the years went on, she was diagnosed two more times. And I slowly started to, like, understand. I was like, okay, now I know sort of what this is. But I was still, like, really little, kind of like 10. I don't know. Um, but the summer of last year, she was diagnosed a fourth time, and that's when it really hit me. And um, I knew everything that was happening because I was older, and I had to take care of her and stuff. And, um, and uh, however, in November of last year, she passed away. And that was really hard for me, especially because um, I was only 16, and I lost my mom. And, like... 16-year-olds, like, teenage girls, like, they need their mom. And it's just an important person to have in your life. And, yeah, we need our dads, too. <laughs> <laughs> to keep the boys away. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, that was just really hard for me, not having a mom at 
such a young age, so yeah. So what have you learned, sweetie, over the last couple of years? Um, I have learned that no matter um, what, you really cannot take anybody or anything for granted, no matter who they are in your life, whether your teachers, your friends, your family members, just you really have to be thankful for everybody that's in your life and because life is really short and you never know what's going to happen the next day. So, yeah. Okay. And what are you thankful for? Well, I can't say I'm thankful for your cooking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you do make good peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> um, I'm thankful for the ladies here at Mountain Park who have brought uh, meals to me and my dad. They are really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've gotten some good meals. Um, um, I'm thankful for all the people God has placed in our lives and who have shown us a lot of love through all this. Um, I'm thankful for my school and my friends. I'm thankful that I go to a Christian school. I go to Valley Christian, and uh, they've been really supportive through this whole thing. They, it was really nice not having homework for a couple months because <laughs> <laughs> of all the stuff that was going on, and um, all my friends that I've had have been really supportive. Um, one of my friends who have been really supportive is Susan Turner. Um, She's obviously older than me, but she's still, like, my best friend. Um, she has been, like, a mom to me the past year and has helped out so much, even when my mom was still alive, but she was just too sick to take care of, like, take care of me, kind of, and go shopping with me for school clothes, and Susan would go and do that stuff with me, and um, even though nobody can, like, take the place of my mom, Susan's done a really good job of making me still feel like I have a mother figure in my life, so... Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so we have come to enjoy Olive Garden and <laughs> learn what meals we can split there. And uh, I tell you, yeah, okay, we won't even go there. So uh, again, I would be lying and I would probably be in denial to say that, you know, Bonnie isn't missed, uh, especially around these special events and holiday gatherings. And while we may celebrate Christmas differently, remembering again that God so loved the world uh, has become more and more real to me uh, in my own faith journey. I think as I look back, I am reminded that as God, God has blessed me with some incredible friends that Paul even says in uh, 2 Corinthians, our hope our hope from you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. And so as we're in a place of community, folks, you know, I can't separate my past from who I am uh, and ignore that. Uh, and, and you're with me for the long haul, whether you like it or not, uh, and how that affects me and how I pastor and how I minister. Uh, but again, you've been with us in our sufferings and you've also been a great comfort to us. Uh, as I think about ways to, to be thankful, I'm reminded of a note uh, that a friend of mine uh, was here and left. Uh, again, for the value of, of being thankful, this is very close to where I do my reading. I want to drop you a note to say thanks for your friendship. A lot of who I am today is because of, of you being a great friend. Uh, I was looking through some photos, uh, putting together some Christmas gifts, and I came across our file on Mackenzie's adoption. 
And again, just thankful uh, uh, that God blessed us with her 17 years ago. And I know some, again, she looks just like me, doesn't she? Isn't that, <laughs> I think that's good. Uh, so, uh, but no, I'm just thankful for that. And I'm thankful that, uh, uh, what that, how God blessed our family and changed it considerably with, with Mackenzie. Uh, I'm thankful that uh, I remember 12 years ago when we had just started using alternative medicine. You can go ahead and get rid of that note slide if you want. <laughs> they don't need to read the whole thing. Uh, uh, I remember we had just started using alternative medicine, and for those of you who know, that isn't covered by insurance. And so we were back in Michigan, and we drained every IRA savings stash of money here and there. You know, you all do that thing. Uh, We've drained everything to try to, to keep current with the bills. And I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen at Christmas. But uh, I'd gone out to my car and opened the door. And uh, usually in Detroit, you didn't leave your doors unlocked. But <laughs> I'm glad I did because there on, on my steering wheel uh, was an envelope. Uh, and this is the envelope. <laughs> From some friends. Uh, all it says is Merry Christmas in Matthew 6 and Acts 4. And, uh, and there was $1,000 in it. $1,000 is a lot of money. Now, it was a boatload of money, you know, 12 years ago. Uh, and I, as I was preparing this last week, I, you know, this is right in my notebook where a lot of my papers are because it's a reminder of God's faith. It was a reminder of God's faithfulness 12 years ago when I didn't know what we were going to do for Christmas. Uh, when things just seemed horrible. And it's a reminder of God now that uh, even through some, some tough times, that God's faithfulness is still with us. And so I wrote, the guy never told me, I, I'm almost sure who I know who this is, so I emailed him this week. I said, you know, I still have this envelope, and if I submitted a handwriting analysis, I know it's you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, all I'm just saying is that as a faith community, I think, in 2011, uh, no matter where you're at, that we can all be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I really do believe that as we become more and more a community of, of thankful people, that your families, your homes, your neighborhoods, your places of work will indeed be changed and transformed because God is going to use you to be a light in your community. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, again for your presence. Forgive us for forgetting to be thankful. Help us as we go through the everyday uh, trials in life uh, to be thankful. From our meals to our vehicles to the clothes we wear, help us to be thankful. For the relationships, for the friendships, help us to be thankful. For the difficult times, just get us through them. And thank you for bringing people to walk alongside us to help get us through. Help us, God, to, to know that who we are is a result of your gift to us. 
And may we, may we be thankful for that and use, use that gift to bless the world that you place us in. In your name I pray. Amen.